0: Hello everyone. Uh, welcome to Eli, the place where you get your daily dose of inspiration for entrepreneurship. And today we have with us uh, Mr. Mahesh Krishnamurti, who is the managing director of Core Integra Consulting, which is into labor law compliances and HR services for enterprises. Hi, Mahesh. Welcome to Eli.
1: Hi, Priya. How you? And thanks for having me here.
0: It's it's our pleasure. Uh, I would request you to introduce yourself to our audience and uh, tell us a bit about your pre entrepreneurial journey like where were you born and brought up uh where did you study and which all places did you work before uh starting with this venture
1: perfect perfect uh thanks Priya. so uh so let me start this way. so since you're asking for the personal and pre information so uh, look i'm a hardcore mumbai i'm born and brought up educated studied in mumbai uh, though I have worked in different parts of the country and I have also uh, worked on global assignments as part of the job, but uh, definitely not gone and settled overseas or not gone and uh, worked on long tenures overseas. It's largely been around projects or uh, uh, setting up things. So for some reason, I never had the fancy of uh, leaving our country and working overseas, though I have a good number of cousins and family members who uh, have settled overseas and uh, for multiple years. Uh, I have spent almost one and a half decades of my initial part of my career in the banking financial services sector. So I started off my career with uh, two prominent banks in India, IDBI Bank and ICICI Bank. From there, I moved on to capital markets, I moved on to investment banking, I moved on to uh, NBFCs, then I ventured into insurance. So you could say that all the waters of uh, BFSI are tested. and I always had that entrepreneur bug in me. So, even when I was in the corporate career, I used to uh, ideally be setting up businesses, setting up uh, operating units, transforming loss making units to uh, profit making, uh, or kind of uh, setting up subsidiaries of large ventures. So, this is what typically I've been doing throughout my career. I and mean, I eventually, in 2014, thought that I must step into the proper entrepreneurship. Uh, but typically, I come from a family of uh, bankers and government servants. So, you know, we are generally risk averse and typically South Indians are not known to be people who are business minded people. They're more of service oriented people. Hence, many advices of not thinking about the entrepreneurship and probably being settled where I was, which was a well-paying job with uh, a good fancy designation and title and all those kind of things. Yet somewhere once you are a bit with that bug, you uh, wouldn't want to let it go without attempting and without being a success or a failure. So that's when I thought I'll take a safer route. I partnered with uh, Mahindra's, so Mahindra and Mahindra, and then we set up a venture for Mahindra, which is today known as Mahindra Integrated Business Solution. So that was a kind of a safe approach to entrepreneurship where you get to build everything with the backing of a a large enterprise, a large group that is available. And that was a successful venture. I spent almost seven plus years there and uh, and it was working beautifully, which is when in uh, 2021, I decided to step out of that venture and move a little more or take a little more steps towards entrepreneurship which is when i came into core integra so i knew core integra because they were also the uh, service partners for compliances to mahindra group it's a 15 year old company so which is when i thought that uh, uh, if i have the opportunity let me pick up a stake in core integra and uh, let me also take on the mantle as the managing director that's how in end of 2021 i came into core integra uh it's been close to uh or more than one and a half years close to two years that i'm here and it's been a wonderful journey so far because we're really transforming and into a real rapid growth phase and i think we have the blessings of our clients our team our partners uh, the entire market it's it's really working beautifully for us
0: got it so being the managing director of a venture, it's like a captain of the ship. So tell us how, when, when you started, what were the initial thought process? How how did that transition happen? And you know, what are your focus areas uh, as the MD?
1: Okay, so let me put it this way. And this is a question which many of the uh, people in my professional and social circle ask me. So one, I'm a chartered accountant. Second, I have spent half my career on the banking financial services side. Uh, Third, I have set up KPOs in my first entrepreneurial venture, which is around finance and accounts and uh, the BPO side of it. Uh, Suddenly into HR and compliance, which technically is neither my domain nor am I qualified or experienced enough to run this kind of a venture. But if you really uh, put some mathematics to it and you put some kind of uh, common sense to it, you will realize that uh regulatory compliances especially on the labor law side is what is moving very rapidly currently so when the stock market scams happened when the meltdown happened in 2008 the government started aggressively focusing on the financial compliances which included your uh, uh the compliances and the regulatory authorities uh, for various uh the banking sector the nbfc side the uh, insurance side the capital market side the taxation side, the GST was rolled out. So the government was heavily focusing in that space and that space is pretty matured. And today we happen to be among the best in the world when it comes to uh, the financial compliances and the governance in that space, which is why when the uh, globe is struggling with post-COVID recession, we are still growing at a very good rate. Uh, The government has started focusing, shifting its focus for the last uh, three to four years on the labor law compliance side and how that is coming also is under the ages of ease of doing business. So you would know that India has been rapidly moving up and improving its rank across the world ranking in uh, ease of doing business. Now one of the important components of ease of doing business is labor law compliance. Now there are two buckets to it. One bucket is uh, how does the compliance uh, get fulfilled? and second is how to simplify and consolidate these compliances so that people are willing to fulfill it because on one side it is how do you do it and the second side is the intention to do it which is where the government is focusing and there are a lot of initiatives they have taken in that space so uh, for example if you remember 15 20 years back you can't do anything in provident fund without an agent being in between today everything is the employees hands. the employer also has limited control you look at esic it's completely digitalized it's automated uh, many licenses are getting auto-renewed, you don't need to really go and physically renew it again and again. A lot of filings have become digital, you really don't need to go and file paper forms. So this is where the opportunity lies and it will take another five years for this sector to completely transform. And I thought this is the right time to invest in this sector, this is the right time to enter this space because this is going to grow. So how does labor law compliances historically operate and uh, what is the scenario largely today? Even today, for many, many things, you need to license with labor authorities. You need to go to the labor office, you need to go to PF office, you need to go to ESIC, you need to do the PT, there are still some states which do uh, offline remittance, which is where you have to physically go and submit a check and chalan and those kind of things. Uh, So that is how this industry operates. Second, there are a lot of things that you need to submit, fulfill in various formats. So the same information you have to fill in in multiple formats. And every state has its own format, which would be bilingual also. So if you're in Andhra, it will be Telugu and it will be English. In Maharashtra, it will be Marathi and English. So the same organization, same information needs to be filed multiple times in different formats. Uh, the third problem statement is storage of all these records. So where do you store? You have to prepare multiple box files, keep it in office, keep it in godown, those kind of things. And that is the reality of this sector today. Largely not changed. Maybe you could say 20% digitalization, 80% still work in progress, which is where, again, it looks a very attractive space to be in. One, this is a domain of regional and local players. National players, even today, are just about six or seven. Second, most of the players do manual work. Uh, there is no technology available. Here. And this is where Core Integra Advantage Core Integra comes in because, one, we are a national level player. We cater to about 500 clients today across 30 industries and we cover all, almost 2000 locations pan india second is we are one of the very few or probably the only one which has a comprehensive technology solution for labor law compliances if you are processing your payroll you process your payroll in a payroll system if you are kind of uh, uh, doing your accounting transactions you are doing in an accounting erp the question is where do you fulfill your labor law compliances and that is where control f as a software comes into picture where typically it integrates with your hrms it integrates with your payroll system it integrates with your accounting system fetches the data and all these things that i mentioned to you in terms of storage of records retrieval of records alerts notifications of when your different licenses registrations are expiring generating these 967 formats out of which some 152 happen to be in bilingual formats under some 22 acts and 400 laws and multiple uh filings that you need to do everything is done through the system in nanoseconds at a click of a button so uh if you ask me frankly five years down the line the entire service scape of labor law compliances will change today it is largely where you need to appoint a service provider the service provider manually licensed with the authorities five years down the line all the service providers in this space will be doing only two things one is advisory because compliance is always a shade of gray and second is, it's going to be a technology play, so which is where Core Integrity is already ready, already prepared, and uh, we already have a software, we already have a flourishing advisory business, we also do services. We know that in five years down the line, service is going to come down by almost 70-80%, but that's where the technology is going to rapidly become. So uh,
0: speaking of technology, I think uh, every company or uh, every product company is moving towards a SaaS model uh, because SaaS is scalable. Uh, and uh so uh, tell us uh, i'm just curious to understand uh is is compliance a space where uh, uh, SASification can be done um what are the challenges and uh, what are the underlying technologies that are uh, uh, in place uh, to you know make this work perfect so uh interestingly
1: sas exists and probably there are uh, other than us there is only one more player in this space who offers the technology on a SaaS basis, but that is again not as comprehensive as what our product is. It has its own limitations. Uh, So interestingly, we started building the software in 2014 and the software was primarily built for our own consumption because we wanted to reduce the cost of hiring a lot of operational resources. We wanted to make things more convenient uh, in terms of having it on the technology platform. We wanted to eliminate a lot of paperwork. and Thereby also give a different experience to our clients, which they didn't have otherwise in the market. Uh, come COVID twenty twenty, when everything was shut, you really can't access the labor authorities, you can't access the government officials, you can't access your office, you can't access your clients, clients can't access you. Which is where the clients then requested, can you at least give the software so we know that we can do certain things ourselves? So which is where the entire idea came into our head that why don't we off- start offering it on a SaaS basis? And that picked up pretty rapidly. So today. Out of my 500 clients, almost 100 plus clients happen to be SaaS clients. The remaining 400 are service clients. And this is something which is increasing. So uh, there are many companies which have people who are competent in handling the labor law compliances. Now, when they're competent in handling the labor law compliances, the question that comes is, should I do it manually or can I get a software? Which is when they say that, okay, instead of outsourcing my services, can I just pick up your software? And that's where we offer it on a SaaS basis. And to answer your question, SaaS is going to grow in a big big way and uh, today we are probably the only player in the market in this space who has the complete value chain so when i say complete value chain we have hrms softwares we have payroll engine we have the labor law compliance platform we have the compliance management tool we are one of the few companies which also has software for provident fund trust operations and we are heavily into robotic process automations where we follow the motto that our human beings which is there in our team are human resources are supposed to focus on qualitative work and spend maximum time with the clients the machine is supposed to do the quantitative repetitive tasks and that is something which we have achieved beautifully and hence we have a separate subsidiary itself which we have created which is our it organization currently it has more than 50 55 people in different roles that operate over there uh, so where typically any company would outsource these four to these to four vendors different vendors we are the only person or the only company which handles the entire value chain. So these four, four vendors' work is done by us, whether you want it as a software or you want it as services or you want both services and
0: software. Got it. Uh, give us a perspective around uh, who who are the uh, main clients, What who are the typical clients, uh, do we go after, which industry, what size of the company, how do we acquire the clients, what's the process, what's the time um, that takes. The
1: sales cycle time and uh, how do we market our product okay so uh first thing is uh look in our business you can't just appoint a whole lot of sales and say knock knock can i do sales that is not how our business works typically uh we operate today in about 30 industries we work with almost all the top brands in those 30 industries and my salesperson needs to be someone who uh is solution oriented understands the domain is able to address the questions that are being raised by the clients and is able to connect with the client's industry and the compliance requirements now this requires a lot of deep training this requires some exposure to operations as well which is when the person can actually step out and go and speak to the people now the people whom he's speaking to uh the, uh, the prospects that he he or she is speaking to are again fairly intelligent people who have been there and done that and they're typically chros of organizations, C.E.O.s, cios admin heads of organizations uh, so these are the kind of profiles that they typically interact with because these are the influencers and decision makers who decide whether to uh pick up our services or our products or pick up both of that so that is one important aspect that you need to give a lot of training on the subject matter and the domain before you are able to go out and have an intelligent and fruitful conversation with our client. So that is the difference between other industries and this industry. It is a very, very niche industry and domain knowledge is a prerequisite. Uh, Second thing, our services and products are industry agnostic and are size agnostic. So we work with startups also. We work with very, very large enterprises also, which would include the BSE 30 and Nifty50 companies as well. So we have a wide range of spectrum for that. Uh, for the startups, we offer a value proposition where we pick up the entire thing as a package and give it to them at a pricing, including the software and the services, which comes less than half of the cost that it would incur to them, even if they hired one resource to do this. So that becomes a value proposition package for them. For large enterprise clients, we have to offer the same thing modular because they may not need the entire suite of services. They will say, I need these two modules of your software and I need this one part of your service. So we need to customize it for them in the sense that, okay, I'm giving it to you modular, depending on what you want. So that becomes the variety and the flexibility that we need to operate. And trust me, it has to be highly modular because there can be at least about 350 permutation combinations of our services and products, which can be offered to clients. So this kind of a flexibility is highly required because enterprises will again not come to you if you don't offer this kind of a flexibility. Third thing is gestation period uh startups and mid-sized corporates the gestation period would be anywhere between 30 to 90 days if i look at large enterprise clients it could be anywhere between 60 to 180 days because the decision making hierarchy is large it's pretty long and uh, then again we have to uh fulfill a lot of requirements so we have to they may come up with an rfp we need to file in the rfp then there would be a due diligence process there would be a reference check process then after that there would be. uh, a complete it due diligence which itself takes almost 30 to 40 days so there are multiple processes that they have because of their size and scale uh, so typically that's how it goes i mean in a large enterprise an agreement itself can take about 45 days yeah and if you're working with a multinational company once the agreement is mutually agreed with the india counterparts it may go to their overseas counterpart which may take another 30 to 45 days i mean we have had experiences with large enterprise clients where the signing authority happens to be overseas everything agreed we are waiting to start the business the signing authority takes anywhere between 45 to 60 days to just sign the agreement and send it back to us. without which unfortunately the indian leadership cannot uh, start the business with us so enterprise clients is a different ball game but it is worth the effort and the patience because once they come to you they stick on to you for a very long time and the value of business is fairly large
0: that's true so being an md uh what are your day-to-day challenges and what are some of the biggest challenges you have faced so far uh, uh, with uh, uh, core integra okay so of course
1: being an entrepreneur forget being an md that comes later on and that's only a title and uh, it's it's only that as you rightly said it's because you're the captain of the ship you have the title otherwise uh being an entrepreneur and being an md you have to do everything right from what the probably the receptionist does still what your chief operating officer and your ceo do so uh, you know the challenges come typically in uh, one is being up to date on where the market is moving uh, for that you have to uh, get time to read a lot of things you need to browse on the net quite a lot you need to connect and network with various associations various forums you need to build relationship with uh, industry counterparts including our competition so we share a very very good relationship with most of our competitors as well uh spend a lot of time with your clients that is something which is required because only then will you know which direction is the market moving what are the clients expecting what is the trend that is coming in india uh what is it that your competition is thinking and doing how are you going to be different from them uh sometimes you also have to be aligned to your competition because you both are together creating this market and building this market now uh, i i strongly believe in ethical practices and i would never want to undercut and spoil the industry because this industry has very less participants today the beauty of this industry as i said is there are six or seven national level players and there are many regional players who are uh, attempting to become national level players the moment we who are strong in size uh, and are present in the national level for a long time start playing foul, it is going to create entry barriers in this industry. And that's not what we should do. We should have a healthy competition. And typically we 6-7 national level players put together don't cater to more than 5% of this market. So 95% of the market is still underpenetrated and it's a fair play for all of us to venture. So a lot of time that I spent is around this piece. Second is uh, operational excellence is something which I'm very passionate about and a lot of time gets spent on that because you have to actually get down at transaction level and understand what is the disconnect that is there either in the product, the service, what my people are thinking and delivering and what the client's expectation is. So this you will understand only if you get deep into the transactions and try to actually understand the entire workflow and value chain. Third thing I'm passionate about technology, I spend a lot of time in trying to think what are the future innovations that we can build in the product. And I can say that with that kind of brainstorming sessions with my tech team, today, we have the roadmap very clear till March 25th. So till March 25, I have very clear visibility, what is going to come when in the product, in which quarter, which month. So I know very clearly that my next print release is on 25th of July, my, after that, this print release is on 18th of August, after that, this print release is on 30th of September. So that kind of a clarity we have and we know what is going to come. Uh, Other than that, of course, looking at what newer technologies we can introduce, how we can partner integrate, uh, how we can actually develop the entire local and regional compliance community to synergies and partnerships to protect their interest as well and grow in business along with us. So I spend a lot of time around all these kinds of things. Uh, Fortunately, I do have a CEO, national sales head, CEO, CFO, CIO, who take care of the day-to-day operations transactions and those troubleshootings of exceptional situations. Hence, i'm able to spend more and more time doing these kind of things
0: uh, so uh, whenever new leadership comes to a already running business uh, they also bring in new perspective to the venture of course the vision uh, of, of the original leaders continue but uh, they they bring a new perspective and new way of doing things and with that some pivots also happen uh, to the business model so can you tell us what are the small small changes or small pivots that has happened uh, after you join uh this venture okay so so very interesting uh
1: question and nice that you brought it up priya uh so you know sometimes i feel it's easy to start something from scratch because you're building everything yourself mm-hmm. and it's your ideas which are getting on the plate and it is something which you have the liberty to change because you're still small, you're growing, it's just from scratch. Now, I entered into an organization which was already 12 years into existence. Uh, unfortunately, the previous uh, MD uh, suddenly passed away. He was a very dear friend had for many years, him and his family. He suddenly got a heart attack and he passed away, which is where the situation was when uh, I had to take over the company, uh, give an exit to the family of the original founder and uh, MD and also get uh, uh, Aligned with newer promoters and investors who come into the company. Uh, now that was one challenge to ensure that everything is smooth, stable, and when the face of the organization suddenly passes away, the clients also sort of get a little bit of apprehension that uh, I mean, the face of the company is gone. So who's the person who's going to come and how is going to work? Is someone really going to come? Uh, and then suddenly you have a lot of. Uh, venture capital is a lot of competition eyeing the business because when the face is gone, it's highly possible that the uh, remaining promoters may want to sell the company because the remaining promoters don't participate in this business and they never participated in the business and they are not from this industry as well. Uh, So then trying to tackle those kind of situations. Third is uh, the advantage I have is that more than 50% of my people are more than five years in this organization. So they have a connect with the original founder of the organization, their erst 12 MD, and at every step they try to compare, oh, that person was like this, this person is like this, in spite of the fact that I knew most of them because I was on the client side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still that that comparison always happens. Uh, then again, change of perspective because uh, the erst 12 MD was much older than me and uh, he was also looking at uh, uh, sort of a retirement phase coming in his life. And suddenly from there, a new person comes in and says that, oh, we have Got to speak about growth, and uh, we'll be the in the next three to five years, we'll be the number one rec- regulatory compliances and tech player in India. Uh, talking about all fancy things, which sound pretty impossible for the size and scale that we were at. A uh, lot of challenges which comes, which is which is sort of uh, physical, which is emotional, which is uh, uh, personal, uh, which which you need to manage and you need to bring up. So uh jumping into a wagon which is already running on a fourth or a fifth year and then trying to change its track where the passengers are all looking to the left but you are looking to the right uh that is a different journey itself and if you ask me very frankly there are very few entrepreneurs in india who have kind of done that and they would resonate with me that many of them or most of them would end up thinking that it is better we, we started something by scratch rather than actually entering something like this and then trying to navigate it so uh, but it's been a beautiful journey i think in the last one and a half years we've almost uh, uh, in fact more than doubled our revenues we are completely profitable we are absolutely debt-free we sit on cash reserves we have appointed a mna agency which is scouting deals for us and we are looking at inorganic growth to grow rapidly and further so from a company which was looking at sort of uh, diluting its stake to a company which is today cash rich and looking at uh, inorganic growth by acquiring other companies in this Synergize segment uh, speaks volumes about the success that this company and this team has been able to build. The team itself has been incredible because they have turned around the strategy uh, almost with the kind of agility that you would never find and expect in an organization of this size. I mean, suddenly one morning you come at you say that, oh, this is what the plan is and this is how we have to change. And the entire organization is agile to change must appreciate the clients because I have practically met each and every one of our clients and today I have a telephonic rapport and relationship with each one of them spread across the country. They have been a phenomenal support because they have understood and absorbed that this is a team which is looking to grow and we will support them the way we can. In fact, last entire year, uh, we have had an equal number of increase in the wallet share of our existing clients as we have acquired new locals. So that's, that's been an incredible and phenomenal support that we got from all our existing clients. Today, you asked me a question about marketing. Frankly, if you ask us, uh, we have, it's just about three or four months that I've really got into uh, social media marketing and appointed a PR agency. Uh, and we are yet to think and delve into the digital marketing space. So whatever growth we have got till date is largely on client references, the word of mouth references that we have. It would be interesting to note that I am probably the only company in this space uh, which has just about five business development team members. Most of my competitors have a massive BD team. I don't have that kind of a BD team and that's primarily for the reason that I told you that it is intelligent sales and not knock knock can I do sales. Uh, I myself step out, do sales. Every person in this organization is focused on business, focused on service. We don't have any kind, which you typically find in most organizations. We don't have this BD operations conflict that is sales ops conflict. So uh, sales and ops are completely aligned as to what is the common objective. They would have disconnects. So for me, it's very simple. You fight from 9.30 in the morning to 6.30 in the evening. But after that, you step out and have a drink together, but uh, don't carry that home or don't get it back tomorrow in office. But you have to fight. You have to voice your opinions. You have to debate. Otherwise we'll not do new things. And frankly, we have expanded our service scope itself almost double of what we were doing in the last one. year. Multiple new verticals, all successful. To give you an example, payroll outsourcing vertical, we started in uh, January 22. And today, one and a half years down the line, we have 72 clients and we process almost 40,000 slips a month. Mm-hmm. Trust me, no one has achieved this in this payroll processing industry in a short span of 12 to 18 months. My uh,
0: final and closing question, so, uh, all these years of uh, leadership and uh, running uh, uh, different ventures, uh, you would have learned many lessons uh, throughout your journey. So, tell us to the all the budding entrepreneurs, what are those lessons that they can also take away and probably apply to their ventures?
1: Okay. So, frankly, I will tell only one thing, Priya, and I keep telling this in multiple forums and multiple uh, entrepreneurs that I meet. I strongly believe in the earn and spend philosophy. Now this earn and spend philosophy was something which uh was taught to me by a very senior gentleman in my early entrepreneurship days which is almost 10 11 years back from today uh, and initially i used to get frustrated with the gentleman that he's not kind of sanctioning any kind of funds not letting me do anything he's sort of a, uh, a person who is uh, risk averse and uh, sort of not helping me grow but In about two, three years, I realized the value of this earn and spend philosophy. Earn and spend is very simple. If I have money, I spend, I don't have money, I don't squander money. I strongly don't believe in burning cash, which most of the entrepreneurs feel that we are into the valuation game, do some obnoxious valuation, get some funds, burn it out. I don't burn money, I'm very clear. Uh, The last organization I built from almost uh, two, three crore revenue, it went up to about 350, 400 crore revenue. It was debt free plenty of cash reserves, profitable all through, no money from the principal promoter as well. This organization, again, when I joined, we were at about 160, 170 crores revenue. We closed last year at about 330 crores revenue. And this year I expect to touch the magical figure of 500 crores. We are again debt free, we are cash rich, we are profitable, and we are looking at inorganic growth options. Uh, I don't intend to raise funds. I don't intend to dilute the stake as well. So no PEs, no VCs welcome to look at this venture 2030 is the year when we aspire to list ourselves so our entire journey over the next six years is how do we uh, reach that goal of listing our organization and in the process of listing of course all the people who are there with me today will make their own share of uh, money through esops or through the stakes that they hold in the organization so my message to entrepreneurs very strongly is build institutions not fly by net companies which make valuations put money And then just vanish one fine day you don't make money that way second if you want to hoist a flag which is why i believe you became an entrepreneur your flag has to keep flying irrespective of whether you are there or not there with the company so one follow the earn and spend philosophy second learn to build institutions and not companies which is being built for valuation purposes if the entrepreneurs the younger generation learn this trust me india is going to transform in a big way and we will be far far ahead of most of the superpowers of today, and we will be a strong superpower because the biggest power we today have is we produce and we consume. We don't need to sell outside to consume. Mm. We sit with 150 crore, 140 crore population.
0: That's true. That's true. Well, uh, on this note, uh, we will close the session. Thanks for your time, Mice, and it was a pleasure to have you on our platform. And our best wishes for Core Intergram.
1: My pleasure, Priya. It was a pleasure interacting with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Have a good time. Thank you.